Hello, folkies. Hello. Hello, wandering. We are wandering. We're definitely wandering. <laughs> we wandering. Wandering. Oh, we're wandering into wildness. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We're wild. That's what's happening. Today we're wandering into wellness with Tony Riddle. Um, Hello. How's it going, man? It's great. Tony, I like. Life is great. It is great. And what, you know, when we when we picked up on the people we were going to interview at this, we. I actually, I think I followed you before this, but okay. like the natural life saw this was something that had come across my bows, but Tony Riddle as a name hadn't. Ah, there we and go. And so I was like, yeah, there was curiosity. Nice to be known as the real name. Yeah, 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 isn't the real man, the actual man behind the Yeah, bows. I was christened as, uh, I had a tag at birth. We're going to call him out the natural life stylist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but yeah, so Tony, you have spent the last, well, I don't know, I mean, like a number of years. I know you, you, you've been involved in like the fitness industry for a long time, and there was like a story there along with like Pilates and other movement structures, and, and you've been going kind of backwards and backwards and peeling the layers off the onion now for a good few years and yeah physically socially and spiritually yeah, yeah. great yeah exciting so like can you i suppose i'm so interested in so many things you talk about um for us it's like the dream podcast it's kind of our, oh, our this thing. is our gig this is no gig. pressure yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but i think like, what stage right now no. yeah yeah but there's actually no pressure yeah it's like no pressure for us as well because we're like okay good we all we're all really excited by these things yeah. and then there's no thing of what questions are we going to ask or might there be a silence mm, it's just, just a conversation like, it's yeah. just a conversation which is how we like it really. yeah 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 so you came over to ireland uh, a couple of days ago yeah i flew in when did i fly in on friday friday afternoon yeah yeah two days ago and you straight got to Greystones. great did the swim rise situation staying with justin and his wife beatrice they put me up there great nice it's like really lovely it's really okay afternoon. and did the big swim rise with joe wicks and happy parrot organized oh wow which was fab Huge. And how many people were at it? Was it? I think it was about a thousand people. It's something Whoa. like that large number. Wow. And I've done, you know, I've done. I've been over quite a few times now with the guys and, and done the morning swim, but I hadn't actually been to one that they'd really like gone the into. Big ones. And yeah. with Joe's power behind it as well, I think it just exploded. It's got a weight of. Yeah, and it's, I, I love it as well. Mm. I, I this morning I, I went out there and we had a swim again this morning, mm. and I just looked out and the sun was coming up. It was one of those moments. It's glorious, and I just said. Greystones just keeps giving. Yeah. It's like yeah. that. It's such, a, it's such quite an magic. interesting it, hub and that mm. and the community. And of course the guys of that's what they're growing, right? It's their mm. thing. Yeah. Uh, for you, like sea swimming, do you remember your first time kinda of going as opposed to plodding around in as as a kid paddling, the first time you kinda of actively went, I would like to go and swim in the sea, or has it been something you've always kind of just done? Well, we lived in a beach for a bit. So okay. like, swimming uh, was just <clears throat> we were a daily. on a beach, right? Okay, so yeah. it was just a daily thing. I'd get up early before anyone else got up and yeah. sit and watch the sun come up. It's nice. a different experience. Yeah. <laughs> Although, no, because it's about 10 degrees here, so I think over the winter it's probably the same there. Yeah. Um, so that, that's real fond memories because it would just be with the kids that we could take them throughout the day. And when we were unschooling as well, they would just, imagine that, you could, the classroom's like the beach. Um, that is as where it should be. be for all of us. Yeah. Um, but I think if I take it back, I would go into like places like Cornwall. Okay. You yeah. know? The sea is really powerful there, mm. and the surf's good there. And I just, I, I remember my fondest memories would be, I think, the Cornish coastline. Yeah, really, That's my so big nice. connection to the sea or that body of water. Mm. And then wherever I go, I'm always, I always want to get in the sea. It doesn't really yeah. matter the temperature. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just, I'm drawn to that. Nice. And what yeah. do, you, do you find? Does like so a swim rise when you're doing it solo, right? You have like all of this other sensory stuff going on. You have that water moving around you. You have your own sensation in the water. Yeah. You've like your central nervous system could only take in so much. So how different is it when you have a thousand people? And what 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 is what's the purpose? What's the difference in purpose? Do you think in when when it's the version of you solo versus you with that well, massive community? It's a different sensory upload, isn't it? Because yeah. you're getting that huge collective emotion. Yeah. And so you're then stirring up other happy hormones, let's say. Yeah. You know, rather than just thinking of it as I'm going in the cold to do this immune system metabolism, yeah. this and be really rigid and it's a morning ritual and yeah. oh what if I don't do my morning ritual, uh, you know yeah, it's yeah. gonna be a disaster. It wasn't about that, it's about mm. yeah, it's about community. I think the social primate, let's say, the social aim within us, mm. we need that, you know. It's, yeah. We're so disconnected from it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or independence walking around just disconnecting the whole time. It's great for a collective to come like that. Yeah. You know, just the energy on the day. Um, was it overwhelming? I, I, no, I don't think so. I, no. I, okay. I, I felt that um, I didn't really, I didn't really see a thousand people. Okay. Yeah. We were also in our little sub tribe. Yeah, yeah, like. yeah, yeah. 
and there was lots of can we get a can we get a photo yeah, yeah, yeah. because that was going on, which, yeah. is, which is nice at the same time. Uh -huh. And I met some great people. It was a good opportunity to connect and yeah, yeah. Kind of networking. Let's say, <laughs> which is connecting. Yeah. Right? Social networking. Yeah, 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 of course. Great. I think there's that feeling of communion as well, isn't mm. it? It's like modern communion outside of a church. Yeah. And you have all that group of people coming together mm. to literally just like feel. It raises the frequency, doesn't it? Yeah, so there's like the human connection is so like powerful, then community, and then it's like that feeling of tribes. So you're ticking multiple social mm. boxes, and then you have the physical experience, what the sensory upload is, and then of course the body of water. And then mm. I was doing breath work as well before going in, so I'm kind of, yeah, there's so much value in that. Isn't it? Yeah, it's a big experience. Yeah. I mean, I, imagine I'm doing a thousand a week, I'd be like, <laughs> incredible. I imagine just never going. die, possibly, yeah. who knows? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's just tried, to, yeah, tried that experiment yet. Yeah. 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 What's, what's so nice about Grayson, because obviously I live in Grayson, is that every day, summer, winter, doesn't matter what the weather, you go down to the beach and there's people of all ages mm. getting in for their swim. And they really do, I mean, like freezing cold in the middle of the winter, there's like a bunch of people and a lot of older people who've been doing it for years and years and they get in, they're just hardy, you know, they're right in there, right back yeah. out again and, you know, my son's going up and chatting to them, what are you doing? And they're naked and they're trying to get the swimmers back on, you know, and that's such a lovely thing, such yeah. a feeling of like stripping away any of those barriers. It's yeah, the like, social stuff again is the We had, in Ibiza, we, we would, our kids would pretty much play, we had a farm there and the kids would pretty much play naked. We'd put them in the car naked, drive to the beach, they'd get out of the car and they'd be naked on the beach. Wow. And everyone was just naked on a lot, a lot of time. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. a very different experience for them. And then the conditioning back in, because it's all about the petri dish, the environment that you're in at that particular time will mm -hmm. culture you in. And so a short period of time in London, it's like, okay, we're on the heath, you can, you can just run around and do what you want. Yeah. Or should I, is it okay to take my... Yeah, yeah. and are your no? kids asking that question? They're asking it, yeah. whereas before mm. they were just naked. So there's already that conditioning without anyone saying it the what's okay it's just they through their observation mm. it's not what their tribe around them are doing so therefore they feel it's inappropriate yeah you know it's, very it's amazing how much we pick that. up those cues isn't it well kids yeah. especially right yeah. because they're learning everything through those observed patterns yeah 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 and again we were talking about templates it's the same thing suddenly the template is ah oh, we wear clothes here mm. you know and did you feel like did you die a little on the inside when they were like daddy should i wear clothes or like how did you feel about it there's parts of that but again you know it's 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 at the same time, they need to experience everything sure. rather than just get cultured into one petri dish. Mm. Why not look at multi petri dishes, give them multiple experiences, and then that's huge growth. Okay. And you don't think that's massively confusing? No, not at all. No, you think you think they can jump into from one thing to the other, so experience different templates of family and different templates of these things. Than and we can. We get conditioned uh, in the one way. Oh, we live yeah. in the same village for the same amount of years. Yeah. And we go, I'm not sure I could go. I could go and live anywhere else. Well, they've lived everywhere. Right? Yeah. They just, they just go next place, next place. We very we don't spend much time in an area. We yeah. move around a lot. Yeah. And we've reduced. Uh, we've been minimalist, right? So we've reduced everything down that we own into like five suitcases, so we can just pick up, go to the airport, and go. And go. Nice. Yeah. How do you feel about? So, I've heard this this great saying like the soul travels at the pace of a camel. <laughs> so that like being rooted in a place has value as well. You know that like there that when we move around a lot, yeah. that we sort of lose our like real connection to the earth no matter how many sea swims and how much grounding and breath work we're doing, breath work you're doing. what do you think about that like location and, and humans and that stuff understand that because we're traditionally a nomadic species yeah so it's a weird one the tribes of today that say penen tribes or benjeli tribes or nomadic tribes of today mm. they're moving around a landscape landscape constantly yeah, but not in a boeing 747 but what we're doing is we're reducing that you know? okay do you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah, for yeah. them, we're taking away the environment they can be free to move in as a species. Yeah. And connect with. So they are the plants, the rocks, and the animals, and they're not separate of it. So therefore, they don't need to ground. Yeah. They can just be nomadic and move wherever because they're just, they are wherever. They're instinctive to the environment. Everything. Yeah, whatever's and there. We're separate of. So we have mm. that. We're separate of an ecosystem mm. because of this huge, great big ego thing, right? Uh, yeah. And so when you, um, well, I mean, they have egos as well at some level, right? No, the Benjeli tribe, no. There's, really? there's no leadership, they're pure anarchy. Oh, wow. And the moment any of them display male ego, for instance, they have a ceremony where they sh they have like a, sh a straw being, and they push the straw being out of the tribe, which is the male ego, until, wow. the ma until they're ready to come back. And I think it's the Benjeli that, don't quote me on this, I'm sure it's the, is that they, um, again, if they start saying, well, I'm the best hunter, I'm the best that, okay. they just take their tools away from them. 
and then they push them out until they're ready to come back in again. Wow. So they, they recognise there is. That's fascinating. But they have things in place to deal with it. Checks and balances. Time. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. Because there's a lot of people who talk about, and even in like, in like Western, I, I can't speak to these ones, but Western like practitioners or teachers of, of Eastern spiritual philosophies, and they would say like, the, some of them would say like that the ego is actually the source of all drive to do things. So it's like a necessity. So you don't believe necessarily that it actually has to be there at, at that level, but that the community has the again, again, it's, the will it's to do things. Is it? Conditioning, isn't yeah. it? Most of these philosophies understand that they're say five to ten thousand years old. Yeah. Right. That's when farming came in. Yeah. Which was domestication that mm. removed us from being a wild species that was the environment. Yeah. So again, going back to what I was saying about kids up until in tribes that they recognise. Um, Peter Gray, who wrote Free to Learn, said they, they asked um, 10 anthropologists how childhood looks. Okay. And the anthropologists came back, these three different geographic locations of tribes, and the kids just play from infancy through to the age of 16. So saying they just learn everything they need to learn about adulthood without yeah. adult intervention. Yeah. So in that process, they've become everything. Mm. They play at being everything. So they're the plants, the rocks, the animals. Therefore, they have compassion for everything. They, they are it. They are one consciousness. Yeah. And then when they go into adulthood, then we have to question, are the adults working or are they just simply playing? Okay. Yeah. And then they're in a state of flow, which we're all reading about and trying to achieve. They have it, yeah. but we're the ones trying to remove it. So I guess when you look at a wild being compared to where we look at Eastern philosophies, Eastern philosophies still, it's a de they're dealing with the scars of domestication. Yeah, okay. Like yeah. Ayurveda is basically recognizing that there's scars of this mm. and then teaching people how to become nature but at the same time we're then trying to understand how to make food groups more digestible through Ayurveda yeah. but those food groups are farmed food groups they're not wild food groups yeah. so there's thousands upon thousands of plants that are edible yeah. and through farming we then created a small crop right? mm -hmm. and then we were heavily influenced by grain and weeds and everything else and then through Eastern philosophies again, we then, ah, oh, we have to cook the grain for a certain period of time, we have to stir the milk for a certain amount of time, heat the milk, add spices to it, so it's more digestible. But yeah. that's not a wild, that's not wild, yeah. that's still, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a scar of domestication, I call it. Okay, that's really yeah. interesting, I like that way of looking at it. Um, so, when you approach your own life, like, okay. <laughs> yeah. you're right. from, from a dietary point of view, when you approach your own life, how do you deal with so we've got loads of this is this is a big conversation sorry but it's huge so there's like there's issues around like the locavore movement we're getting things from too far away there's issues around the processing of things when they're accessible to us there's issues around like the organic kind of nature of things and then there's issues of seasonality mm -hmm. what, what what do you prioritize in terms of your diet your kids what? it's a tough one isn't it like when it's, we're, it's like impossible when we, to be honest where we are we, we order from riverford because mm. we just think Amazing what they're oh, yeah. doing, and the yeah. guy again behind that is just you know, is just going out and sourcing and finding the best source of organic foods, and, and just driven by that. And now he's going to sustainability uh -huh. and understanding that, right, this is the current issue, this is what we, we need to prioritize more than anything else. Um, so we're, we're bang on board with Riverfoot, I think, for okay. us, and there's seasonal boxes within that. Nice. Okay. You know, and then they yeah. deliver whatever, and then you have other stuff that you might want to subscribe to. Sure. And there still is a little bit of shipping from Europe and mm -hmm. stuff that comes in, but again, yeah. prioritizing like these are organic food groups. Okay. And then if you go seasonal, then not so much of that. It would okay. be like what's available in the UK. Great. So you have that choice that you can. Um, and then going back to looking at tribes, and if you look at a tribe, let's say, that's in the, um, the tropical belts, that's the, the region around the equator, let's say, you know, there is no season. Mm. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, right. like they don't eat seasonally. Don't they don't think just eat about what's it. available. Mm. So that would be the more natural way of doing things. Right? Sure. So then we have to say that then even that it means that we have some domesticated version of that, trying to get the nutrients on board. And yeah. They will eat innately in a way, won't they? Yeah. So their body's in tune. Right. That's available. That's available. They know where to go. There's a whole mm. process. And I think what's driving that is that they understand emotionally what they need. Mm physiologically what they need, what their energy needs, what their digestion needs, yeah. they're so in sync with that. And the, the, the food groups at that point, even by picking it and smelling it and go through the process of foraging for it, already is stimulating enzymes and a sensory system that prepares a digestive system that then means that you're nourishing the cells, which then nourishes everything else. Yeah. What we have is a fortunate, it doesn't matter, you could have a really 
I was about to swear then, crappy diet, <laughs> but an amazing digestive system. You can't system. swear on here, by the way, that's okay. Yeah. An amazing digestive system, and then you're away. You could have the most amazing diet and no ability to absorb anything, mm. and it's a waste of time. Mm. So I think if, I think we can talk about seasonal food or where we get it from or anything else, but I think first thing is to heal your digestive system and look at that level first. Yeah. And then have a conversation of right where I need to be getting things, and I think by that through that process that you're start to drive more towards what innately you need. Mm. It's a bit difficult for us because it's been conditioned in in those first years. Yeah. Like oh, you've hurt yourself. Here's a Mars bar. Yeah, yeah. Instead yeah. of oh, here's a hug. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So you suddenly have love for the Mars bar, and it doesn't mean anything. It just means something else. I yeah. had it with my growing up. My dad would. We'd hardly see him work so damn hard, run a business that was going down the pan, worked even harder. Jesus. And we used to see him if we were lucky on a Sunday. But on a, we had no money, but he managed to go to the pub, and he managed to go to snooker, and he managed to drink on a Friday night, and he'd managed to buy a packet of salt and vinegar for this, and he'd managed to leave it underneath my pillow, and I'd wake up on Saturday morning, uh. and that would mean much more than anything else to me. Mm. So I've done so much journey and so much work and alcohol, wow. drugs, all that stuff, just managed to drop it all no attachment through wow. deep inner work yeah and yet still that smell of salt and vinegar crisps yeah. it's, it's overwhelming you yeah. see so we're up against so much there yeah know? but i think if we if you can minimize i think we have to look at right the sustainability model with getting food in uh-huh. you know yeah like where it's coming what's the packaging you know what that process is is there a process to start with is it process minimize that mm. and try and go back to just natural foods whether it's seasonal, whatever it means, just yeah. go to nature to begin with, because otherwise it is overwhelming. There's far too much to do. So it's like, right, strip out the covers, take away all the stuff that's in a packet, in a tin, whatever it is, mm. go back to eating real food. And then you can start to then develop a system. And for me, it went from digestion to understanding what my cells need, okay. and then getting my dosha, which is then through Ayurvedic yeah. work, understanding what my energy needs. Okay, yeah. Because if that's out of balance, my, my um, digestion is going to be affected. Yeah. And then my cells aren't going to receive what they need through digestion. Yeah. The other thing is stress. Right. Learn breathing techniques to help you get into a parasympathetic state. Mm. So then you get the salivary enzymes again. You prepared your digestion because if you're stressed, your digestion gets affected. Why? Because I'm being attacked by a lime right now. The first yeah. thing I do is I'm going to make a big shit in my pants. Yeah. Yeah. You know? <laughs> evacuate and then evacuate. And then I need <laughs> the energy to say 60 to 80 percent of the digestion, yeah. that fuel that's going digesting from food alone, mm. to fight the lion or, f- or flee. Right? Yeah. So I'm going to run like crazy, right? Barefoot, mm. whatever it is. Mm. I'll be out of the room. So it's the digestive system first, you know, downregulate, get into breath techniques, and a part of that could be even saying grace at dinner, whatever it is. Yeah. But also just setting an intention, have respect for what you're eating, the process of it, where it's come from. I literally said that to somebody yesterday in the shop in a, in a consultation, where like, maybe just maybe just start saying grace, because it's like so often it's that, that cathalic phase that gets missed. Yeah. And every time I'm talking to people like, about bitters, and even as we're talking now, you start to salivate, like instantly. That hormonal yeah, yeah. thing is incredibly deep, that switch. How is, have you done any mindfulness coaching with the raisin? Yeah, no, go on. Oh, they, put, they put your hand out like this. I did it on a yeah. retreat with these guys, and we had a mindfulness coach, Mindful Martin, his name was, he's okay. brilliant. And um, you put your hand out, you put a raisin in there, and they put the raisin in you. And like, you have to look at the raisin, mm. keep looking at it, and you study the raisin, all the little creases in it. And they're all in there, they're all so different, right? So then yeah. you start rolling it around and picking it up and smelling it and putting it back in your hand. Mm. Half an hour, and you're like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> <I> look <laughs> drooling. And by the time you get to eat it, it's like the best raisin <laughs> you've ever had. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's that process, and mm. that's what I think we're missing, you know, from again being a wild species, mm. is that that thing where we go around, we'd be smelling and mm. tasting. And if you're partly, you know, if you don't have any clothes on, like they don't have any clothes on, right? Yeah. Every upload is going on, not not just sensory. The microbiome and the sensory system is getting mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. you know? I'd, can, can yeah. I, I'd, I'd like to go back to like, so you have three daughters. Yep, Lola, Millie, Tallulah. Nine, nine nice. seven, and um, just turned three. It's nine, seven, and three. And, and a new one on the way. Really? Oh, we don't know if it's a daughter. We just have another baby on the way. Oh, wow. Um, How close? We're 17 weeks right now. Okay, okay. okay. So birthing and that the whole world is a massive part of what I do in my, my work with women. Okay. Um, and I guess I'm interested to know when you met your partner, was she in a similar mindset as Pavara's? Like, what kind of births were you planning to have? How were you playing into microbiome stuff with that? How are you looking at it from a welding point of view? 
Um, well, when we met, we were, we were slightly different, you know, I had a Pilates studio and Katarina was working on reception in the, in the health club I was in. And I just, oh, it's just, it's such a, oh, I'm going to try to speak to her. No, can you go and get a piece of paper and a pen? <laughs> so she went, said, well, yeah, can I help you? I said, yeah, can you get a piece of paper and a pen? And then, yep. I said, right, well, now you can write your number down. And I'll take you out to dinner, and that was it. You know? Wow. Yeah, but I wasn't plant-based then. I was in, into paleo, and, and, and I took her to um, Gaucho Grill, which is like a steak joint, you know, an um, Argentinian steak. And, yeah, she sat there really uncomfortable on, like, a cowhide. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's cowhide chairs and these massive platters of meat being shoved in your face. Which one would you like? Uh-oh. And she does that, I'm vegan. <laughs> How far into the actual, like, have you ordered? <laughs> I was like, just immediately. And then, oh, so, like, so it's fine, I rescued it, we were okay. Um, and then from there, I was like, wow, it's going to be great. You know, it could have been a disaster, though, yeah. but it wasn't. And then, you know, as things started to unravel, Katarina came from, like, a yogi background, but okay. really living the yogi rather than just on the mat. Yes. It was a lifestyle thing again. Mm-hmm. And so that was in place. And she'd also been a nanny, she was a school teacher, and then when she was working behind that reception, she was nannying plus converting her degree so I was like wow this woman's amazing right? really dedicated and so her background then was into Montessori already so there was a Montessori approach coming in okay, yeah. and then looking at things like positive discipline which is then the language and the behaviors around the children what they're going to observe and what they're going to hear whether you're going to create like a child that's looking for um, a, a punishment or a reward you know mm-hmm. it's that kind of system mm-hmm. um and then when we found out we were pregnant with lola it was like a very easy conversation it was just okay we're going to go natural birthing and katarina then read um the continuum concept which then it related to all the work i was doing so it was easy it was just oh well of course there's a natural web these are natural beings right so let's look at what what we do in nature again mm-hmm. It was obvious. It just seemed like an obvious step. And was that a fairly new book? Was that was that an old one? It's an old book. So um, I think her name's Janet Leadoff. Okay. It's um, the Continuum Concept. So that's about. um, She went to live with tribes. I think it was like for five years. And then what she noticed is that what the big take home was that children weren't crying. And why weren't they crying? And it's because they simply have all their needs met. So they're always carried. They're not put down. They're not you know, in a separate bedroom. Uh-huh. And then we started to align with um, someone called Yehudi Gordon. He, he, he's a client of mine who wrote Birth and Beyond. So he brought natural birthing into the UK. And so he stuck and then opened up doors and said, have a look at this guy. And he showed me this video of Joseph Chilton Pierce. And then it was like, whoa, this is stuff that's insane. Because he starts to look at frequencies and, oh, yeah. um, and heart rhythms. Mm. And so that if you have a baby, um, and even in the, this first, even in the first year, before the baby understands that it's separate from the mother, um, so at that stage it's one with the mother, and then once once you take the baby up to four feet, or you can do an ECG up to four feet away from the heart, right? So twelve feet away. If you take the baby beyond that, they realise that the baby would come become incoherent with heart rhythm. So you're stressing your baby by removing it from twelve feet away from the mother, which is insane, right? From what? the social norm of today in parenting is mm. and what we're led to believe and then there was the bre- and then there was breastfeeding in there and then co-sleeping and then I started to discover more and more about microbiome and then you can understand from the microbiome that um, that the baby picks up obviously the mother's bacteria and the vaginal canal and the anus as the baby's coming out mm-hmm. that's then its foundation for its gut so and then it takes three years to reach maturity so then how long should you be breastfeeding for when properties in breast milk are literally just for the bifidobacterium in the baby. So one suggests that nature has designed it so it's three years, because it takes three years to nurture that. But the social norm from the health practice is that you only need to breastfeed for six months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you don't even. Or you don't. No, here's a bottle. Yeah. I was bottle fed, right? And then the problem is that when you have that and you have this surgical pharmaceutical experience, Mm. that then you're lining the child up to have bacteria issues and autoimmune diseases. Mm. You know? It's It's a huge thing, I think, though. Because how do you... Like, I... You know, that's my, yeah, you're basically talking about my world, all the stuff that I read about, all the stuff that I'm involved in, all the stuff that I did with my son. But it's very hard, I think, that we have these ways that we want to raise our children and ways that we want to be, and then, and that's fine in our bubble. But then when you have grandparents and external people who want Mm. to come in, it's really alienating for them, or it can be really alienating Mm. for them, and there's so much judgment. 
that can come in and I found that it was really hard to not make a massive divide between me and either my friends or my family by the choices that I was making and it wasn't me going this is the way you should do it and your way is wrong it's just me going this is what I'm doing but people find that very challenging yeah I, I, I've given up on even saying this is almost what I'm doing I almost just this is this is actually what I'm doing just yeah. just living it and like we had it with my parents my parents were the same it's like and what you realize is that it's guilt mm. that's what you're raising with them because they know they fell into a system and, and they relied heavily on a system and the system would say, well, this is the way you're going to raise your child. So I was taken away, you know, and then put in a different room from the mother. And the mother's heavily sedated. And the babies are all in one room, disconnected, over 12 feet away from the mother, completely just distraught, right? And, they, and we all went through that, right? And then into, and then into being um, bottle-fed, and this and this. And it was just this life of convenience they're trying to create. So you're dealing with, there's a lot of guilt wrapped up in that. You know? yeah, and, and does it change? Well, of course it does, because what happens is like we're having this conversation now, right? Whereas people weren't having that conversation. Yeah. And then the bubble just goes... Mm. And you get more and more people in it over time, until that's how we make social change. Again, if there aren't the people on the fringes going, this is what we're doing, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And we were the first ones, really, that we recognised carrying around in even a baby sling would load. Everyone else had pushchairs and bugaboos and all this stuff. Yeah. We were like, oh, we're going to do a sling. My parents like, what are you doing? Well, this is the connection. Then when you explain it to them, it's a very different thing. But also, I like to give people books. And I think where Josie is a friend of ours, she's a positive discipline coach. And her mum looks after her daughter a lot of the time. And Josie's like, so knowledgeable and lives in this positive discipline Montessori bubble that mm. she has. And so she asked her mum to come on board for one of her classes or one of her programmes. So her mum sees, ah, oh, this is what it's about, this is the language, but sees Josie outside the model of the daughter yes. and sees her as the professional. Yes. Yeah. And parents don't like to be taught by their kids, mm. but the problem is that they become olders, not elders. Yeah. So as elders, you go for their wisdom, which was wild wisdom, whereas now they've lost all that wisdom because they relied heavily on a system. And it's up to us then to try and regain that. So our kids then have elders again, not olders. Mm. You know? Yeah. So I think it's it's okay to have a little this little bit of you know toughness going on, and it also helps you refine your message in a way and your behaviour, so they become much more clear and easier for you to present and easier for people to hear. I think it's are you being heard and why aren't I being heard? You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's why are they not listening almost? I think what I find difficult, and I don't know how this is for you because obviously I haven't met your children, but <laughs> my son is really. He's wild, like he loves to be in nature, that sort of thing, like all day we're climbing mountains and outside. And he's a big energy kind of a guy and he's also really sensitive, but he likes to push every boundary. And for me that's like it's a really normal stage of development that he's in. Mm. Um, it's also his personality type, we're, we're all different, right? But he, he really needs to know where his safe zone is. And so if he doesn't feel secure with the person he's around, he's going to push every edge that he can find. Like, okay, here's is where I'm safe and like and what happens if I do that when you're angry what happens if I do that when you're sad and what happens if I do that when you're tired and he's going to keep doing that until he feels like a safe zone and that's fine for me but and I know why why I'm parenting him the way that I am and I feel good in it but when there are external people that come in and they see his behavior as being like he doesn't want to sit in a chair he doesn't want to sit at the table he doesn't want to you know, stay in the place here while you're doing your work and he doesn't want to sit in colour for ages or whatever. They're going, well, wait, it doesn't work? Like, it doesn't work? Your child's not behaving in these ways that they're meant to. The condition, right? Condition, exactly. Well, I just, you could just respond and say, I don't want to condition my son. Yeah. I don't want him conditioned. Why can't he just be a free spirit and just draw when he wants to draw? Otherwise you're forcing play. But you know the play state we're talking about? Yeah. You know, my wife's great at this because she really helped me understand that you can't force them into playing at things. Yeah. They choose when they want to play. And the classic example is Tallulah when we wanted we wanted to leave and go to the heath. And if there's anyone else around they thought, oh this child's a nightmare. We basically all packed up and we were like, yeah, we're gonna go. And we left the house and Tallulah just went <laughs> on the pavement. No! Like this. And it was like everyone built force. And she is a force because we just we just we just allowed her to be that. So she fully connected with her emotions, and then that will start to stabilise once that intellectual brain starts to intellectualise the emotions a bit. But I want that. I want her to throw yeah. tantrums and just freak out and just say, "No, I'm not having this. I don't want to do that." Yeah. And then we realised, you know, I said, "Look, it's okay. 
I'm going to take the girls for a walk. So I took the girls to the heath. Katarina stayed with Tallulah, and then, and then we just said we'll meet up later. And we arrived home three hours later, and Tallulah was in the house. Katarina's in the house. So we had to get on. So we just went back in the house, stayed out there for 40 minutes. You know, mm. just stayed in it. Whatever she wants, whatever she needs. You know, that's the point. You've got to show that you're you're there for them for whatever the emotion is, whatever they need to do. You're available mm. rather than no, I don't want you to do that. My yeah. ego needs you to do this, yeah. and you must do this because everyone's watching at me, yeah. watching me, and I'm embarrassed, and I've got this going yeah. on. And it's not like that. It's yeah. like they're so much more important because then we raise really powerful beings, and then don't give a shit what people think. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's where you kind of got to go. It's not. Yeah. It's not my business what other people think of I think it's good. I mean, it's good practice. Like, there's been so many experiences where we've been in the supermarket and there's been us, and I've been like, okay, we're sitting on the floor, <laughs> and staring at us, and they're all saying things and making comments, and like, grand, I'm, I'm sitting here, and this is what we're doing right now. But, yeah. you know, like, I have a work life, but you yeah, know, yeah. that's the way it is. And so there's often times that I find that it's fine within my environment. It's fine in the days when I'm free, when we're disconnected, and there's the two of us, and we can do whatever we want. But it's on the days where, like, I have a class that's starting in an hour, he's having a, a moment, and I want to be there for him, but I also have to leave. Mm. That's really Yeah, that's hard, where you I need think. the tools, I think, where positive discipline comes in, yeah. mm. because it just gives you the tools and the language to almost be able to negotiate with the child. Mm. That's, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. And then it can be, okay, you just give them three choices. That's what I see Lily do a lot, which is amazing, and it's amazing how it changes his... Because you hand it over to them, yeah. Yeah. and they're now the decision maker. Yeah. And all that was going on with Tallulah that day is that she basically, she was playing... She was being led. She was playing, oh, yeah. okay. and we interrupted her play state, Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She, she just wanted to do what she was doing, mm. we didn't ask permission. Mm. So our stuff was more important than hers when we're all equal. Yeah. This is also the thing that we need to get away from, is thinking that the, the child is like a pet. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You aren't you good? Aren't you clever? Yeah, I know. You know, it's yeah. like, oh my god, what is what? People people always say to me, like, but you need to show him you're the boss. I'm like, no, that's just it's just so far from what I boss? want it to be that like I'm the controller and my child is good if I have control of mm. him at all times and I can be sit there, yeah. stay there, stay in this model. It's just I don't want it to be like that. I know that there's things, you know, I'm not gonna be his best pal to pal pal all the time as well. There's there's different roles that are there, but sure. I definitely don't want to parent him in a way where it's like, well, my needs are here, and like at night time you just stay in your room, and I don't look after you at night time, but in the daytime, I can meet your needs. Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me, and I think that that's modern parenting has become this thing where the parents who are lauded are the ones who are like, their children go to bed at seven, and they stay in their bed all night, and you don't see them until yeah, the morning. Yeah, but they become the teenagers, you know, the rebellious teenagers, yeah. because if you become an authoritarian with your kids, you know, and that's what we're talking about. Mm. I'm the boss, and you're lower than me, mm. right? and I'm going to show you how you need to behave, even though my behavior is, is inappropriate. But I'm going to show you that's the way that we need to do yeah. things. Mm. And then later on, what are you going to do? You're going to go to someone like Tony and have a rewilding, reconnecting class. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Or I'm going to wear an empowered the damn thing. Yeah. when I'm older, because I'm empowered now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I have to do all this stuff, because yeah. actually we have authoritarian parents that tell yeah. us stuff that we should be doing that isn't really aligned with any kind of natural system or order. Yeah. It's just a totally unnatural environment and unnatural way of doing things. So it's difficult to get a handle on that. Yeah. And I appreciate it. So people do have to go to work, but I think what I'd like to see happen <laughs> Here we go. If I were king um, for a day, yeah, yeah. but not king. Change the work environment. Make yeah. it okay for the women to go into work or puppers to go into work with slings and babies and just so that they're not over a certain distance away from the child. And it's not always going to be safe that I appreciate, yeah. you know. But you know, we've got some crazy workhouses around the world and babies are next to them in that. So why, why, you know, it's just it's yeah. a weird thing that we have to drop them off somewhere and then go somewhere. And, I can see it, even co-working spaces, that floors are dedicated, let's make it so they're dedicated to the mother or the father and the child's needs. Mm. And then once they get to a certain age, it's okay to separate them and then have them in another area where the kids are separate, but the mum or the papa can actually go and visit them. And why, why aren't we creating yeah. things like that and looking at, actually, it's what, how do we get the physical, social and spiritual needs met of the human being? Because uh -huh. that's emotional well-being. Yeah. You know, and unless you're aligned with that, the more suffering is going to occur. Basically, yeah. yeah Isn't it funny how we set up our society kind of in this suffering model? Yeah, like, and, and, and most parts of the world have gone that direction. It just seems so arbitrary. Like, just like, 
I, I, like it's such a massive dichotomy that we're all searching for like happiness and we're all creating a thing that makes us like there's a there's a great what is it what's that quote uh there's i think it's gabber mate or something where he says like the strangest in the world is that most of us are spending our work lives earning enough money to run away from the thing we're creating with our work yeah yeah and it's 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 so bizarre yeah it's what we're cultured into but, but we're cultured it's, it's, by ourselves it's like. changing it is changing over time you can see it and i kind of like to focus more now on how do we how do we change it? Yeah. How do we be more yeah. positive yeah. within it? Yeah. Because you can't change it's, it's a broken model. So you have to figure out right. Do they do we create a broken model to find solutions? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. You know? Okay, yeah. Which is a consumerist model. Mm. You know? Yeah, of course, yeah, because they want to keep you laughing it up. Yeah, interesting. Who knows? That's a, that's a deep podcast. Yeah. That's a really no, interesting no, no, no. one. Yeah. <laughs> There's so <laughs> many that more things. Part two. God. Yeah. I'm, I'm torn between two questions. I want to go to feet and, and I, want I also want to go want... to menstruation. And there's a story I want you to tell her <laughs> that she know. hasn't heard yet, that I've heard. Uh, but anyway, you, okay. do, you do feet and menstruation and we'll go there. <laughs> How much time have you got left? We're at like 20 past I'm, 12. I'm not doing a, I'm not on the stage until five past four, so you're okay, safe. Great. Oh, you're safe. Okay, it's yeah. also got the pressure. Okay, Grant, we'll so, let run. <laughs> when I was listening to one of the a podcasts that you've been on recently, it just occurred to me when I was thinking about it, because another part of the work that I do is working with women and connecting into cycles and positive menstruation and that kind of thing. And you have three daughters yeah. and a wife, yes. partner, wife. Yeah, yeah, right. um, and I was interested in thinking about your approach and listening to you talking about feet and being barefoot and not having chairs in your houses and all this kind of thing. What is your approach? Have you thought about this? Have you talked about this? Going to be when your first daughter has Nanaki has her first period. What are the natural ways? Are there ways that you've learned from tribes? What are the things that you I think, think about that? What are your I think that's for Katerine. I think that's her yeah. post. I don't think that's because Katerine is fully on board. What she's learning at the moment for them um, didn't quite work because we got pregnant again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you're going down this path of understanding through an app of taking temperature, understanding what your temperature is and then marking it and then knowing your complete cycle and the rhythm of it. Mm. And I think that's quite an important thing that she's going to be going down that path and become much more skillful in it. Mm. It's something she wasn't really taught. And so I guess through that process that's going to be one thing. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think Katerina, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not even skilled enough to go there, to go there in a conversation. Yeah. Yeah, okay. it'd be interesting. Maybe we'll revisit it. With Katerina. We'll get the yeah, TV on. Yeah, yeah that'd be amazing. Certainly yeah. with Katerina, because it's, nice. a, it's, a, it's a whole world I don't think I really am skilled enough to go into. Sure. Yeah. And I'd say it'll be fascinating for you as well, because it's another whole it really avenue. Will. And when you get, like, I obviously had done all this work before I had my son, and I was thinking, I'm going to have a girl, and I'm, it's going to be great. I'm going to teach her all the things that I didn't know and how to connect. And then I had a boy, and I was like, oh, okay, well, this is a, this is a different thing. Yeah. And then you have all these girls <laughs> surrounded by these girls. Yeah, and it's so I'm like, learning with them as I go. Yeah, like, exactly. So there's loads of stuff around emotions with yeah. load a million to do. That. And I'm like, wow, I've seen this before. I've seen this before. Yeah. Oh, okay. And you're always yeah. in there. But I guess I'm, just, I'm learning as it goes rather than... Because they're so individual specific as well, mm. I guess. Yeah. Is another way of looking at it for me. Did you grow up with in a house with other sisters and stuff? Or? With a sister. Yeah. With a sister, okay. So you've some knowledge of what it is to be yeah, a young person, but it's kind of probably a bit forgot. Yeah, it's and it's like three and a half years difference where she's older than me. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. And so... Um, so you're probably the more emotional one in that situation. She's the more... Yeah, is yeah. That, yeah, yeah, okay. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. What was your feet so question? Feet. Well, <laughs> Sorry, well, I, I, just, I love feet. I just... I mean, feet... <laughs> but you, your big thing is... His feet, really. Well, one of the yeah, big and things I'm, so I'm joking because you guys are barefoot and I'm <laughs> in my vivos, but we've, we've nailed that one. <laughs> you were talking on the podcast that I was listening to about how when we have shoes on all the time, that naturally makes us get used to soft, and so then our feet get hard. I think is it that way around? Or yeah, there's firstly the shape of the shoe. Yeah. So the more narrow the toe box, well, we create a shoe-shaped foot yeah. rather than having a foot-shaped foot. <clears throat> and it happens over time, so they show the last of the shoes, like the toddlers, are actually wide. If you go to a kid's store, yeah. the toddler shoes are wider than what they would be for, say, Lola and Millie. Yeah. So Millie's shoes would already look more narrow. Yeah. So how does that work? So that means we're actually conditioning them to get more narrow. And then when you put, so that, that sh changes the shape of the foot, so it becomes more narrow. And then when we put rubber underneath it, the more compliant the material in underneath you, the more stiff and rigid the foot will become. Above. Yeah. So you take away the shape of the foot, force it into a new shape, and then you make it rigid in that form. Mm. 
and it's having to kind of correct for the ah underneath it because it doesn't know where things are sort of thing. Well, so it's, it's like, your mind, well, it's yeah. you, so yeah, yeah. your mind doesn't know where support is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And therefore you make micro adjustments to mm. try and do it because adaptation, you know, we can adapt to good or bad and we will choose whatever form it takes sure. to be able to stand here, move and do what we do. Yeah. And so, yeah, that will take on many different forms. It will mean the, the muscular structures and tendon structures of the feet will change, mm. the sensory perception from the feet will change. Yeah. And that will then mean the ankles, the knees, the hips, their their motion oh, really? yeah. range will change. Yeah. And then that then feeds into the pelvis, the lumbar, the thoracal spine, the respiratory system, yeah. head alignment, everything. Because mm. there's and then all the trigger points within the body. Yeah. Yeah. What what do you feel about like it's like plantar fasciitis, bone spurs? Horns, all these sorts of kind of things. Are they all a product of the shoe thing? Yeah, like is that pretty much it? If you put something really compliant under your foot, the plantar fascia of the foot is yeah. a te it's just tendons. So mm. it's a tendon elastic structure. Mm. So you have an arch like that if it yeah. lies on the floor. Yeah, yeah. And then when you, if you're running, for instance, when your foot comes up, you have an arch. When yeah. it lands, it goes elastic. Even, yeah. Even. yeah. That's when your foot is naked mm. on a hard surface. Um, if you put rubber underneath that, then there is no ding, ding, because the rubber's doing it for you. Mm. Therefore, you have plantar fasciitis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You've lost the tendon's ability to be elastic, and you've you created a tense tendon structure. Yeah. Corns, bunions, again, they're symptoms of the shape of the shoe. So a bunion is basically where the big toe that should be really wide, as you are yeah. here, and there's a gap, because of the footwear looking like this. Yeah. Um, you can no longer find the big support of the big toe in yeah. all its actions. Yeah. So instead I roll and then you create a new toe here which essentially works out it's as a bunion. It's another toe, it's that's yeah. interesting isn't it? Yeah, it's a gorilla toe. Yeah, so yeah, you're yeah. creating something to stop, sure. to stop you from completely collapsing, collapsing inside. In. Okay, interesting. And it's interesting though because it's also created this thing around people not liking feet. Because mm. I've just loved the, I grew up barefoot, so I, I grew up in the Himalayas. We would have been barefoot running up and down the mountains all day long. Grand. You never felt sore, you never had any of those things, you were running on all sorts of surfaces, everything was grand. And then we came back and went into shoes and all of that kind of stuff happened. That was different. But I've always had this love for being barefoot and feet and then obviously going into yoga that kind of naturally translates. But the amount of people coming into class who they really find it very difficult to take their socks off. They just mm. they don't want to look at feet, they don't want to have anything to do with them, there's other people's they don't want to touch them. What's, what's the foot aversion about? Sorry, that's interesting. Well, we don't do see them, though, yeah, do we? Is that what it is? It's like, yeah. it's like locked away. It's like, it's like what I was saying about the kids yeah. and being naked going to the beach. And okay. suddenly, like, oh, I don't really feel comfortable about yeah. this. And I don't feel comfortable about this part of my anatomy. Okay, and then it gets oh. fetishized and stuff. Yeah. It sort of you makes know, a lot like of going sense. going topless yeah, 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 or yeah, yeah. your penis out. You know? Of course, It's just yeah. like it's just... Again, it gets conditioned. It's the yeah. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I think that when we have That's that, specifically, it all comes... It's so fundamental, isn't it? Because obviously feet is like you're saying it's the foundation of everything how we stand how we move mm. how we relate to the world underneath thing. us our proprioception yeah. all of that stuff and i think if we already can't look at our feet we can't even begin to go well what's underneath our feet and how how are we relating to this it's yeah just like i'm cut off there there's this kind of bizarre thing yeah and when we get them out it's like this weird pink appendage hanging at, yeah. the, hanging at the bottom of your leg right? yeah. <laughs> a noodle and the shape of it has changed yeah and then we don't have pretty shoes on yeah so the language book would come with that too That's yeah. like, you know yeah and i have clients that a lot of female clients that will say oh you're right i just don't feel the same about my heels and it's interesting it's like oh it's like i feel really empowered when i'm wearing my heels it's really interesting I mean, mm. there's empowerment within a heel a shoe that's but that's a your physiological foundation which yeah. makes you grounded to become yeah. empowered. Yeah. You know? But it's this patriarchal society where you're only reflecting what might be sexually attractive to the other thing, but and the, the lipstick and that crack, is it? It's a sign of masculinity. Yeah. yeah. Because the first high heel came in with the Persian armies, right? Oh, did it's it? a sign of masculinity. Amazing. They were riding horses. Oh, no they right. needed a heel. Oh. And then the European nobles looked at it as a sign of masculinity and went, right, okay, we're going to have high heels, and then we're going to make them higher and higher and higher over time. So the high heel, the higher it got, the more masculine you were. It's how those things reverse is bizarre, like the wigs. It's, 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 like, it's like crazy. And then it becomes like a massive, like. But as women, we ape men all the time in order to get power. Yeah. Now, because we're not connected to our own power, our own cycles, our own <clears throat> womanness. We're like, okay, what's the successful model? Mm. It's male. So. It speaks to the spectrum of sexuality as well. Again, it? if you take it back into the tribe, you know, again, in the Benjeli tribe and in these tribes where there, there is, they're one, there's no leader, there's, there's, there's anarchy. Mm. Not what we call oh, anarchy. Oh my God, yeah. everyone's mm. running around. Primitive people running around. 
So they so they are one, but they they understand they established that they're successful as male, masculine and feminine. Mm. And when they come together, of course, that creates an even wheel of interdependence. Mm. But they do separate. There's feminine strength and masculine strength. Not like the men are trying to be women, okay. women yeah. trying to be men. They understand that that's what there is. And then physically, socially, and spiritually, masculine and feminine needs are met. Mm. And this is where it's a bit of a blur at the moment. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. We have yeah, this yeah. crazy patriarchal society. Yeah. And we have the empowered feminine wanting to come in yeah. and then operate at the same patriarchal level, which mm. the men aren't successful at either because yeah. the system's broken yeah. and we're all stressed out mm. and suffering from hormonal, digestive mm. and immune issues, right? So how, how can anyone be empowered in a system that's broken? Yeah. You know what I mean, yeah. we need Absolutely. also to go, oh, okay, do you know what? This isn't working. Yeah. And I think for female empowerment, it's just so necessary because suddenly we start to say, ah, oh, there, there's there's, there is a difference here. Yeah. Yeah. At the same time, it shouldn't include alienation. No, know. it has to be. And the language has to be very sensitive because there's some guys out there who haven't got a clue what they're doing right now. Well, I, I kind of completely lost, you know. Yeah. And um, so I, I, yeah, I do men's retreats and men's workshops and stuff like that, just purely for that. It's just helping them understand what it's like. It's okay to be a man. Yeah. But you have to be. A mature man, you have to be a wild sense of what masculinity is, not based on this immature model that's broken. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. No one wants to be successful in that. Uh, you know? Yeah, uh -huh. and, it, and again, it comes down to that parenting in the first while as well, and what are we modeling at home, and how do we talk in our language, and how do we feel about ourselves, and, and all of that. Like, for me, it was very, very important that with my son that I was naked in front of him a lot and that we were we were naturally naked together not like I was just trying to be naked but we would just naturally yeah. be naked, oh, naked. Yeah, yeah, yeah here I am being naked he's like mom Jesus no just like we have bath together yeah, still we sleep in the same bed we're naked all of that kind of yeah. stuff and people are like god don't you think that's a bit weird and isn't he trying to touch your vagina I'm like yeah of course he is he's just going like out of curiosity that? what's that it's the same elbow shoulder whatever it's not that he's sexually trying to get into me he's just going what's that like how is it different but for him I want him to see like this is what a woman's body looks like this is what a woman's body looks like when they've had a baby mm. and they haven't had loads of work done when they've got their period and he knows all the stuff like yeah, he knows about periods woman. he mm. knows the whole thing he, like he knows all of that stuff and it just it's not it doesn't make him like obsessed about it he's not constantly asking about it you're trying to touch me he's just going oh yeah and then hopefully like as he gets older he's not going to have this idea of this is woman this is what woman looks like mm. with this image that's airbrushed and changed and all this stuff it's like this is beautiful and it can be beautiful too in all the different ways i think that that's really so key it's important yeah it's a bit like us what i was saying about abuse again that you know or any nudist beach you can take your kids to it i think it's really important yeah really important and yeah. changing rooms we were just saying this on another podcast the other that's day. changed it's changed changing rooms changed yeah, you've got now. your own little cubicle that you yeah. go into and yeah. i don't know my friend was in one the other day and it concept. said like she got naked in the changing room after swimming and there were people there with their kids who kind of made a bit of a like take my child over here kind of thing and the next time she went back there was a sign on the wall saying don't indecently expose yourself wow. in front of other people's children How's and that? she was How's like this is just my body like, a, like it's the only place that you're actually publicly allowed to do that saying it's so narrow it's yeah. the social norms can become so narrow yeah. right? you know and that's why we need to experience and go different petri dishes and see other things because imagine you're just cultured into that sure it's pretty shocking when you come learning? outside it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we don't have any more, and it's so, it's such a shameful thing that I think that most girls that you talk to now who are approaching kind of sexuality in those kind of teenage years, their, their idea, their worries and concerns, and I say this all the time, but for me it's just such a profoundly shocking thing that when I was first delving into sexuality, my number one concern wasn't what do I look like and will they like me and do they think I'm going to do a good job? It was like, do I like it? Mm. Does this feel nice? Do I want to do it again? And the girls now, they're going, do I look normal? Do I taste normal? Do I smell normal? Did they think I performed well? Wow. And that, for me, is such a profound thing as like a, a result of all this stuff that we've been yeah, talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. That our first experience with sex isn't like, am I enjoying it? Does it feel nice in my body? It's, does it feel Am nice? I being it? Am I, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I think that's it. I mean, that comes from that, that you're not in the changing room with women in their 70s and women who have babies and women who haven't. And you can't identify it. You're going, oh, yeah, people have hair there and 
some don't and some do this with it and some do that with it and some have bellies and some don't and like oh great okay that's actually normal my thing mm. it's not like yeah but also we have this weird world of pornography that something exploded or you know the we didn't have that. Yeah. You could Google search whatever yeah. and just go on to Pornhub or whatever it is. And yeah. That's, that's the, the weird reference model. points are all, all over the place. It's terrible yeah. for the young guys that are growing up mm. and it's terrible for the young women because yeah. they're going mm. through this process of, oh, they're expecting me to do that. And yeah. the guys mm. are thinking, oh, okay, this is what we do. Yeah. yeah. So they come from it from a really aggressive kind of, kind of, domineering kind of way. Yeah, 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 terrible yeah, yeah, yeah. process, right? And also that's yeah, the neural exactly. pathways being built in those moments and again, of formation. So, that's, so there's no, you know, there's no love making in that situation. There's mm. no becoming one or getting lost in the collective emotion of love making. It's purely just this it's aggressive sex. Right? Yeah. That's what yeah. We're and there's no like other. And then being cut off from what what it is to be a woman or or a man. Right? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Imagine that's all you see is your education. And I know it's kind of weird. That's what we do when we come together. Yeah, that's yeah. a disaster. Yeah, it is. Really. And, and so when you're, I mean, you have the internet at home. Like, is is there are there curiosities where you're kind of having to go? Okay, this is a curiosity we're going to have to like curb, or like, or like wh what will what will you do around pornography? What do you like? Because that, that's something. Is that something there is there is there a positive model that you can put out there? Like, what in terms of sexual exploration that isn't, you know, because pornography has existed for a long time. Have I guess. To sit down with them, yeah. with the girls, and just say, look, this is what's out there, and this yeah. is this is what's being seen yeah and you know and I, I heard something about kids also being numb to it over time yeah sure it's because they're so exposed to mm -hmm. it that it would just be uh, whatever and so then we would need something else even more graphic yeah you know yeah, as yeah. time goes on absolutely so i guess by the time they're i mean i've got time right <laughs> yeah do you know what i mean who knows what the normal yeah. be at that point yeah, yeah. it's accelerating accelerating that world isn't it true absolutely but Through so is this world <clears throat> so um I guess the conversation will be, well, this is this is what will happen normally, and this is what is out there in the compromised zoo that we live in. Yeah, I think the thing as well, though, is I think the thing as well is <laughs> Sorry, it comes back know, down to like the human laboratory. I think it comes back down to like having children that raising children that have enough um, security in themselves and who they are to go to make decisions and analysis to be able to go like, yes, this is there, and I I don't. Agree feel like that's a good thing for me or like my friends might be doing that that's just not what we do in our family or it's not what I feel like is okay to do it's not like we can we're not gonna like take them away to a different place where they're never gonna see any of that stuff mm. they're still gonna have to interact well, with they're the still world. exposed to it right they yeah. have to be and then it's just like these these are the things we do right yeah this is what's out there it's there's no different to we were saying about food earlier right so we do this thing well we take them into the supermarket and it would be no different to going foraging in nature. You have poisonous foods in nature. Yeah. You have wild foods in nature. Yeah, yeah, the supermarket yeah, yeah. is no different. There's poisonous foods and there's foods that are going to nourish you. And that you can relate that to everything. Right? These are the things that are out there. And this is this can be toxic and it can breed this. Or we can go over here. And you know, this is it's just again, it's how I guess how we coach them into. And that's it's a coaching process. Mm. But it's also they're again observing behaviours. Don't forget, not just yeah. languages. Yeah. You know. Yeah, big time. It's the patterning. So if you have not a beautiful, the, yeah. loving relationship, uh, and they see that, then that's the norm. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's also part of that. Mm. You know? Cool. But all of you having that beautiful, loving relationship is a, is a byproduct of that. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. We got to wrap it up. Yeah. Are we wrapping? Unfortunately, yeah, we got to wrap. Um, oh, I <laughs> so want to keep talking forever. I did. I didn't even get to get, ask you to tell that story, but anyway, damn what it. Was the what story? story? Oh, the constellation therapy story thing. Because I have eczema, she has skin psoriasis. stuff, you have psoriasis. It's just an interesting thing about the emotionality of things yeah, yeah, and the handed down ancestral stuff. John is off stage right now. We have 15 minutes, we said we'd be there at one. Do we say one? Yeah. Do we say we'd meet and Let's go for okay. it. Let's hit it. Okay, so, sorry, I was listening to a little bit of a podcast yeah. where, and we're really, like, this is one of my most interesting, most interesting, like, I'm, I'm, it's such a rabbit hole. Yeah emotions and physical consequence and like be that in how your body patterns how you know maybe you know like I've, I've hip dysplasia and anytime I've released anything there I've suddenly felt like weird like like almost developmental things yeah. mentally and socially and I, I'm spiritually weird things are happening you know I, I, I just I, you IBS is the obvious characteristic of it where you have you you know there's there's this issue with vagal nerve tone you know there's this you know neuropeptides that produces all the emotions that are definitely harming our body they're making our body change 
Um, but I don't think I'd ever seen or heard a, like a, a, such a really succinct example of where that might have come from as your your story around this. You, do you mind telling a little bit about this? Yeah, so I, I through this guy, the guy born in natural birth in Yehudi, <clears throat> his whole thing was, well, if you're going to be a parent, then you need to do this for your kids and you need to go and see a family constellation. And it was like, what's a family constellation? He's like, well, it's, it's a form of therapy. Um, and I think it's brought in by the Zulus. It was brought, ah. taken from the Zulus as in a form of, they would ask permission from their ancestors. Ah. And so it would start with a circle like this, let's say. And you'd have however many, it could be 16 people in this circle and a chair that's free next to the family constellationist. And they will call people up who have issues. So it might be four people in this circle of 16 have issues and the rest are there as representatives. And the way that the representatives work is they will be picked as either the symptom of whatever the person has or to play a role. And that might mean um, parent, father, um, country, um, landscape, animals, plants, rocks, whatever it is, mm -hmm. they will bring it into the situation. So the first one I went to um, was rather mind blowing because it, I didn't have no expectations. I just walked in for that. Go, we just go to this thing. It's going to be great. And sat in the room, really chilled. And then um, the lady was running. It, asked the first one to come. So she sat next to me. She said, "Well, tell me your heart's desire." And she just the woman just like crying. Like, oh, I just wanted to get pregnant, and um, I can't get pregnant. And my um, my parents hate my partner. They they just they didn't want him around and this and this and we, I really want to marry him and just the whole thing was a disaster so she said okay we're just going to pick someone we're going to pick someone so we'll pick someone to pick be your um, symptom to bring the symptom in we we'll to pick someone to rep pick your mother your father your partner and you and you position them where you feel that they need to be in the room and what's said is that they pop up their birthday cards and suddenly they're like oh, that looks like sense so I've got to pick that person it's almost like they already start channeling the person Amazing. And they put them in the room, and I'm always picked as dad. Right? <laughs> Every constellation I've done, I'm always dad. We did a That's whole day, we did a weekend of them at one stage, and it was beyond the joke. So I was dad, and I'm standing there as papa like this, and my wife is here, the mum, and the daughter's here, and the partner's here, and the symptom is here. And so. Um, the woman I'm standing next to here, I can't actually bear to be next to her, so I keep moving like this. But you don't know why, you're just intuitively like... I'm just like sweating, I really feel really uncomfortable, like just horrible about being next to her. So I keep moving and shifting, and yet at the same time she wants to keep coming closer <laughs> to me. So she's going through, I need That's to be near weird. this man, and I'm going, well she just leave me alone! <laughs> and I'm drawn to a woman outside the circle, okay. and so I go over, I move out to the circle and move towards her, and the lady stops it, and she just said, look, did your father have an affair? You know, and she said no, but he was madly in love with this woman, and she died. And everyone knows about it in the family, which is like, wow. Anyway, well, it's clearly her. Let's pick her up. So she brings her in like a contestant. What's <laughs> <laughs> behind door number three? Yes, and then, she, then she, and she comes. Let's wow. bring her in. And um, and at that point, I just hit the ground, just crying. Wow. Totally grief stricken. I've never had grief like that. You know. And what's I've had grandparents die, I've had loss of pets, whatever, and I'm just kind of like, cycle of life stuff. But yeah. I was now I was now experiencing their perception of that death, not wow. mine. Wow. And just, just couldn't stand up even, just weak, just weak and weeping. And, and then the practitioner then, the facilitator then give me a series of things to say to clear that, which then the lady could then sit down, I could then stand up, and then I could go and join my wife, the mother, feel perfectly comfortable to her she's now really happy because I'm by her side wow. and then the partner could then and then it all just come together and then suddenly you could see it bizarrely it, looked, it just looked like a wedding in the room that's amazing it's nuts and so then four more people went and then I was going later four, three more people then I was going later and I got out for lunch and I remember going out for lunch and thinking, oh, these people have got some real issues going on. I don't feel like I've got stuff going on <laughs> you know do you know what I mean yeah. Yeah. so I arrived back and I said you know why don't you give someone else to go because I just, you know, I, don't, I really don't think I've got much going on here. And oh. I feel like they've got a lot of trauma and what I'd heard up until then, there's some crazy stuff going on. Yeah. Like stuff from slavery and wow. people in shackles and they, oh, just anyway, it's just crazy stuff. And so, she's wissy. <laughs> oh dear. Wissy. Like, like she like, knows. What have I done? <laughs> so I sit, I'm now sitting oh, there yeah. and she put a hand on my knee and she just said, tell me about your dad. And I was like, 
like this. That's okay. I love my dad very much, but mm. we just don't, we're just not having this real connection, like hug relationship. Um, but I appreciate that's not him. That that can also be me, and also there's um, there's also his earliest years. So he's just carrying forward again what he's inherited and mm. so on. So it's obviously there's a there's something. There. Anyway, it turns out which she then said, right, okay, pick someone to represent you, someone to represent your mum, your dad, and the symptom. So I put my mum and me over that side, and my dad's over here, and the symptom's here. And the symptom is psoriasis at this stage. I'm going there for psoriasis. I didn't want my kids to get psoriasis. I have it, my dad has it, my grandmother has it, my great-grandfather has it. So the autoimmune is there, there's a predisposition, mm -hmm. and then something along that lifestyle was created, has made it predetermined, let's mm -hmm. say, something within the pet tradition we're cultured into. Okay. And so um, I'm then there with my mum, and the symptom, the practice, the facilitator says to the symptom, how do you feel? And they say, John, I feel really, I just feel so much for the father who's standing out here on his own. Okay, let's ask the father, how are you feeling? I just, I, I'm on a lonely island, but I feel I'm okay with it. You know, it's like, this is wow, so interesting. Isn't it, isn't it? Wow. And then, how are you to me? Which is me. Yeah. I feel really great, really protected. And so, my mum's like in there with me, and I'm feeling really loved. And my mum's like super happy. She's like, Yeah, I've got what I want over here. Do you know what I mean? Uh -huh. that, that was insane. Just suddenly, there's wow. that's what they're experiencing. They're the emotions they're getting, just like the emotion of me crying on the floor. Yeah. That's what they're yeah. experiencing. And so, they're channeling this, right? And so, then she said, Right, okay, let's bring in. Let's bring in contestant number two. <laughs> <laughs> Let's bring in the grandparents. Yeah, so the yeah. grandparents are now standing behind me. So there's my grandma and my grandfather of my dad's side. <clears throat> and then how do they feel? And again, it's this relationship between dad and dad. The mum, the mum was protected behind my dad, and yet I'm, I'm here protecting my mum in a way. And there was so this, this weird stuff going on between my mum and her mum. That's for another. That's another podcast. Okay. Um, we're getting into psoriasis now, right? <laughs> yeah. So then what we find is they then bring another set of grandparents in, another set of grandparents. It goes back and they're all like this. Really? On, and it's weaving like that through who hits, who psoriasis has come through, as in who's inherited the predisposition within that relationship. Okay. And then it goes all the way back to one person who's like this. And they're turning their back on everyone in the line. And they just say, I can't bear to be in here. I feel so ashamed. I'm embarrassed. I'm this. And my ancestry is like Nordic Celts, right? So God knows what must have been going on there. You know, you can imagine, can't you? So it would have been someone's got someone pregnant in whatever form, yeah. and they're either ashamed of it spiritually or whatever's going on in that in that situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they were the ones that it looks like had psoriasis, and their psoriasis is paternal proof running through that line. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm. And so then I was given this thing of, oh, I do not need psoriasis for paternal proof. And then suddenly in the circle, all the men come together and they're okay and they're hugging. It's like really mad. God, that's... It's so direct. It's amazing, totally isn't it? Totally amazing. Isn't it? And it's straight in. It's like, boom. And you just see it. You see a play mm. of... You see it as a play. It's an act that's yeah. just... The world is a stage and women and men are many players and each man plays as many parts. Like yeah. Shakespeare in there, right? It's yeah. just like... Insane what's happening. That's wild. And did your you psoriasis know? go? I have, within a week, I didn't have any psoriasis. But it's not to say I don't get it. I've got a little patch here, a little patch here, and a little one on this elbow. And if I fly like I did a long haul flight to LA, uh -huh. I had no psoriasis going in. I landed and all the sites where I had psoriasis just peaked up a bit Dang. and they were quite red. Mm. And then it will go over a period of time, it will go into remission again. Yeah. So like even on Rich Roll's podcast, I'm talking about this and he's like, yeah, but you still have it, man. And I was like, yeah, but it's, again, it's it's like when something, it's weird, it's, it's a weird one with psoriasis. Yeah. You get all your physical stuff going on, mm -hmm. everything's in place, I'm mm -hmm. eating really amazing, mm -hmm. my sleep's in. And then it's something out of the ordinary gets ramped up. And so with that experience with Rich and the flight, it would have been, oh, I'm going, I'm going to record Rich Roll, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm going to go into a long haul flight and I'm going to be on a plane for 11 and a half hours of radiation all around me and then I'm going to land and my body clock's completely out, everything's out. Yeah. And then over a period of three days, it will settle again. Yeah. And you, you wonder how much is that you telling your body that story and so your body's going, okay, I know it'll be here for three days and then it'll be gone. Yeah, just that, re I, that I reassurance just from yeah, just understanding it now. Yeah, that that's yeah. what it is. And yeah. It's like, oh, I don't need, I don't need psoriasis for paternal proof. Yeah, you know, oh, I don't need psoriasis, and then going back into that and believing it as a belief system. And do you find and that's that it biology comes up, a belief again? You know, do you yes. find it comes up more when you're not with your kids? 
I don't know. That's, that's actually a good idea. I'm just wondering, like, were you flying away from them and yeah, you they flying were flying away from them? And I think with the bee thaw, I'd go through cycles of that with the bee thaw. Yeah. That's so really you know, interesting. That's quite interesting because then that goes into paternal lines exactly, again, you see. Really yeah, yeah, yeah. Quite interesting that. I should, I should observe that. Yeah. Go into that. We'll follow up with you. Thank cool, you. deadly. Oh, do. It's brilliant. Nice. Thank you for that. Great, Thank great. You. There we go. Okay, so that was so good. Thank you so we could much. talk forever. Really I'm really excited. We haven't even touched on, like, you know, epigenetic stuff. Did we cover the run? Did we cover the run? No, we, we haven't covered that at all. We haven't touched that. That doesn't matter. Well, I'm running barefoot 30 miles a day for 30 oh, consecutive days. John O'Groats. Do we cover that? No, we no, didn't, but no. I just read about it. Amazing. Yeah, there we go. When is that? That's September the 1st, and so along the route. It's like, again, I've got my physical, social, spiritual needs met, feeling emotional well-being, um, have everything in place, now what? Right, Why okay. are we rewilding, why are we doing this? Well, the, if there's this huge sustainability environment issue in uh -huh. being waved like a big thing in front of us right now. So because I can do all that and I can run from Land's End to John O'Groats barefoot and it's seen as this completely extreme, insane thing, yeah. but it creates a platform. Mm -hmm. With that platform, mm -hmm. I can interview a sustainability expert every day Wow. the path and raise yeah. awareness for something wow. else. Yeah. Great. That's what I'm doing. Great concept. Yay. Boom. Best of luck with this. And people can find you where? Um, on Instagram. Oh. Not as Tony Riddle, but as the, <laughs> at the natural lifestylist. Or my website, which is Tony Riddle. Okay. So that's TonyRiddle.com. Great. Yeah. Okay. Great. Super. Tony, okay. That was amazing. Thanks for your time. Brill. Thank you, everyone, Super. for listening. Um, Quickie shout out, thank you very much to uh, Swivel who made this podcast device that you're watching on right now. Um, thank you to Clearlight Saunas who uh, we're ambassadors for their infrared saunas which are phenomenal things. Go and find more on our feeds about them and come and talk to us if you want to go and get invested in them because you should. Um, or just get outside in the morning and probably do what you do which is just see daybreak every morning for a couple hours. Yeah, just get outside. That's it. So timer, forget the sauna. Set a timer, <laughs> time two hours 24, and then yeah. you've at least got 10% of your day outside. That's yeah. it. Big time. Okay, okay, cool. And the last sponsorship, uh, but not the least, is these guys, Newsest, uh, who are plant-based protein people who we love. Wow, okay. And this is a goodie bag for you to take away wow, with lots and lots of bits and bobs. Um, yay, nice. Oh, look at that. The Thank you very much. Boom, look at that. Boom, branding. We're so good branded. at this. <laughs> We've been branded. Oh, dear. Like a cattle. Um, but yeah, so news is one of those good brands even if you get branded by them you're kind of like it's not so sore uh so what do we got in there you've got some go. of their plant-based protein their new turmeric chai ah, stuff so i was at justin's house at justin's house this morning oh nice yeah um and i was having that on my brekkie already oh, oh really yeah, yeah. Oh, rock and roll oh Super. people who know good things and look, um oh, so, so a bit of sage i figured this there's some things you do oh, okay yeah cool good yeah. okay Lots of things. And some snacks for you having with your kids. So that's like spreaded activated almonds, gojis and mulberries. This is wonderful. Some mindful bite snacks. What else did I put in there? Cheese, alkaline, alkaline herbs. herbs. We put in cool one thing. really cool. Go on. Oh, yeah. Where's the cool? thing about the protein powder is that you can cook it in all your baking and your porridge. So like I use it with my son in oh, wow. porridge and millet porridge and stuff like that in the morning. Then you don't need to add any sweetener. At all. It's just naturally sweet because it's sweetened with a thing called potentially sweet extract, which right. is glycemic the inverse. Yeah. So it's really stabilizing for your blood sugar levels. Oh, that's amazing. There's a natural deodorant from Wire Botanicals as well. Down oh, from yeah, West Cork. So Good things, good. nice things. Super. So thanks <laughs> again. Cheers, buddy. Nice one, Teddy. We'll see you again, I hope. Yeah, yeah. same. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Bye bye. Great.